All right, everybody, really appreciate you, you jumping on the podcast with us today. I'm, I'm Devin Hampton, CEO of Utility API and, and also a board member of, of Grid Board. I'm, I'm very excited to have the opportunity, uh, the, the privilege to, to be joined by Calvin Butler, the, the CEO of Exelon. Uh, I think for much of what we focus on here at Grid Forward, I can't think of a, a better person for us to talk about well, what's going on with utilities and what's going on with, with GridMod and what's going on with the energy transition. Um, briefly introduce Calvin and then, and then welcome into the, to the, the conversation. So Calvin joined uh, Exelon in 2008, has held a number of positions, including president and CEO, obviously CEO of Exelon Utilities in 2019, CEO of BGE. Prior to that, he held various leadership positions at ComEd and spent his early career at Central Illinois Light Company. Calvin also serves on the board for the Edison Electric Institute, the Institute of International Education, and Argonne National Lab. And finally, he's also a past chair of the Gridwise Alliance and Greater Baltimore Committee. Calvin, welcome to the conversation. Devin, thank you, man. And then first off, thank you for uh, inviting me today. Uh, this is this is an honor because I've seen some of your, I've read about some of your guests and to be included in that laundry list means a lot. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think you're right there at the top of that, that laundry list, Calvin. We, we appreciate you making the time. Um, you know, so I'm going to, I'm going to jump right in here. We, we have 30 minutes today and, and I think we, we're going to cover a lot. So, you know, to, to start, like we, we, we just talked about your bio here. You, you know, you've had an extensive career. I, I, I got tired just reading what you've been up to let alone, let alone having to do it all that you've done. So in this utility space, you, what, what really drew you to this field? You know, what, what, what made you want to, once you got here, what made you want to keep advancing in it? You know, it's, you know, it's interesting. It's, um, as I look back on this, my father actually was a troubleshooter in a power plant in Springfield, Illinois, that used to be owned by Commonwealth Edison. So as a young man, you know, he was doing swing shift in, in a, uh, in a power plant. And then you fast forward. My mentor in college was the CEO of a utility holding company. When you talk about Central Illinois Light Company. Yeah. And him and I, I met, I met him in college from the board of trustees from Bradley, and we became close. And I had an opportunity. He provided me the opportunity to come straight into the industry right out of law school. So I didn't go into that large law firm like many of my peers. So I had the chance to come on the business side, did law for a couple of years within that company. But then I got on the business side and really for five years, that was during the time of energy deregulation, mm-hmm. mid 90s. Yeah, I, I was in it uh, down in Springfield, yeah. Illinois, lobbying, learning the business. Um, and I l- ended up leaving strategy for that company. So although I left the industry for 10 years to go work for a printing company, um, I came back to it, like you said, in 2008 with uh, ComEd and Exelon. Yeah. Because what drew me back was the transition that was taking place in the industry. You know, I, I've noticed a couple of things about myself. I enjoy change. I enjoy being in the middle of it. And this industry was in the middle of this, just beginning this transition. And to be a part of it for this, this number of years has been an amazing journey for me. Uh, I appreciate that. And hearing that your father was a troubleshooter at, at, at ComEd, which is now one of your operating companies that you, you, uh, uh, have as part of your portfolio there at Exelon. That, that's a that's a powerful storyline. Um, 
follow up on that, you know, you, you kind of just, you went to law school and you, and you still came here. I did. I did. Um, you know, if you would have told me, I mean, if you'd have said 25, 30 years ago that I would be CEO of an energy company, I would have said, why? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but it goes to show you how individuals who influence your life, they put things out there for you and you just gravitate toward. So my, my mentor went as C. Bob Beats, CEO of this of Central Illinois Light Company mm-hmm. holding, he put something in me where let me know that I could do this. And so I was attracted to it and I met some wonderful people along the way who just kept investing in me. Yeah. And I kept yeah. learning this industry and doing it. So becoming CEO, uh, leading large teams, running mm-hmm. a business, impacting communities. And that's the, the biggest piece for me is that I've always been very fortunate to work for companies that have the same value system mm-hmm. of giving back into the communities. And I don't think anyone does it better than a utility company because we touch everyone. We're in everyone's home, their businesses, and how we show up matters. And that's allowed me to take my personal goals and my business goals and blend them and blend them and make a difference. Uh, that's that's powerful, and, and it's it's I appreciate hearing hearing you talk about utilities in that framework. I think sometimes people forget how how much of a, a, a impact that a utility can have on a community. Um, you know, so speaking of communities, let's, let's, let's talk about a bit about the communities that you work in. Let's, let's talk about you know, the customers you serve. Um, you know, what are some of the biggest opportunities and, and constraints that you're seeing right now? You're, you're, you cover many states, many regions. You know, what, what are your customers asking you to prioritize, you know, for their communities? Yeah, so great, great question. And let me just kind of frame it uh, for your listeners. I have the privilege and responsibility to serve 10.5 million customers. So when you think about Exelon Utilities, we're the largest transmission and distribution company in the United States. Wow. Headquartered in Chicago, serving um, com- with and serving Illinois through ComEd, serving the District of Columbia through Pepco, serving Maryland through Pepco and Baltimore Gas and Electric, serving Delaware through Delmarva Power and Light, serving Philadelphia and the surrounding communities through Pico and serving uh, Atlantic City, uh, New Jersey through mm-hmm. ACE. And so when you think about that, that's serving urban, some of the most mm-hmm. densely populated areas. Rural, when you think about Eastern Shore uh, along the way and coastal, when you think about Atlantic City. So our customers have that diversity of customers all have different needs, but the foundation of their needs is reliable and resilient power. So each of our jurisdictions want something different outside of that. So you take DC. DC is leaning in hard in the decarbonization and electrification effort. Having said that, they're approaching it in a way where they're saying, hey, what's also big in the district, you have to address the equity component. That's right. And how Pepco shows up in the district, your home, that matters because we have to treat each of the wards the same as we go through this energy transition. So I can't just serve the Montgomery counties of the world and forget about Ward 8. For those of you listening in, Montgomery County is a suburb just outside of D.C. 
uh, you know, Calvin is showing some some serious uh, some serious insight into the local politics. I'm sitting here in Washington D.C. between those, and I appreciate that as a CEO of Exxon that you have that that granular vision down to who you're serving in which communities. That's I apologize right. for interrupting you, but I, no, I, 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 I love that it because, listeners. because Montgomery County is one of the wealthiest communities in the United States. That's right. So how we show up for them, because they have different needs, we have to address it, but we can't forget everyone. And so when you ask, we have to be very close to what our customers want. And we just can't have a one size fit all approach and understanding what those customers, regulators and legislators want, how they want us to show up is critical because this energy transformation that you and I talk about. It has to be equitable across all customers, all businesses, because otherwise it really doesn't occur. I appreciate that. And, and, and you have quite a challenge. You know, you have a diversity of customers. And, and as you said, with between the rural and the urban. Um, so how do you, you know, I'm going to ask a leadership question, a bit of a follow up. How do you, you know, you, you run a, a company that is in all these different areas. How do you help your team understand this priority? Uh, between you know what what the, the these communities are asking for that, that might in some ways be um, I want to say contentious with each other but you know you talked about an urban rural divide essentially yeah I, w- I would tell you uh, Devin that's what leadership is about we're not successful if we don't serve our community so we start with that foundation and, and the expectation of all of our teams is that they have a deep understanding of what our customers want, Mm -hmm. and then we start developing solutions on how to get them there. Now, to your point, there's not always agreement, but we have that conversation. And if we don't engage with them, you'll never know. And I think when we go about setting our priorities, we start with the customer. Then we go to the fact of what is our foundational fundamental goal, our priority. And that's that keeping the lights on and the gas flowing. Then we go to what is what are they trying to get to? And that goes into the modernizing the grid. How are we mm-hmm. preparing the grid for that future that everyone's talking about? And then I think a big component of that and going to our earlier conversation, how we show up in those communities, investing in those communities, letting them know that we're not going anywhere. And because yeah. we understand their priorities, we're going to invest in the things that are important to you and show up differently. And I think that's what separates Exelon, our utilities from others, is that when you look at Petco, they're all into the District of Columbia. When you look at ComEd, we know what Illinois wants and we're investing in those efforts. Same thing in Baltimore, Philadelphia, and across our others, because we want to be perceived and we are part of those communities. I, I really appreciate that. You know, for, for those listening in, Calvin and I can see each other. I'm just nodding my head along with what he's saying here. I, I, it's great to hear about leadership from a, from a leader. Um, and, and really, you know, I, I, it almost sounds like it's a, what you're talking about is a, a tough task, right? It's hard to do. And, and so uh, I want to I want to drill down a bit in, in, in one particular thing that you raised, which was, you know, decarbonization goals depot carbonization plans, right? You, you mentioned a couple in the, some of the utilities that you 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 lead are, are, are working in states that have some pretty aggressive car, uh, targets. So, you know, on this same community thread is, you know, how do you how do you work with them to, to, to help achieve these goals? What, what, what does that look like day to day that you're doing there? No, thank you. I think 
the key is I think we are very good at turning the policies into action, mm -hmm. meaning that if you have a goal like in Illinois to have one million electric vehicles on the road by 2030, it's up to me to ensure us to ensure that that infrastructure is set up to deliver that. Yeah. If you're in the district and you're saying you want to be um, eliminate all greenhouse gas reductions by 2035, what are we doing to prepare the grid and develop that plan? But I think as important in that process, Devin, we have to share with those leaders, those policymakers, mm -hmm. what that means in that transition, because we're the experts in this. Yeah. And what's great about the new Exelon, as I like to say, because we don't own generation and we're that pure delivery company. Yeah. I'm agnostic as to whether you buy that solar, wind, nuclear. That doesn't I'm not caught up in that. What I'm caught mm -hmm. up is making sure it's reliable and affordable. Yeah. And I tell you, I share with you what you have to do to make this transition a reality. And then you, as that policymaker, determine if this is what you want to do. My job is then to execute on that plan, invest the necessary capital. And that's why I say what we're very good at is turning that policy into action and doing it. I never want you to perceive any of our utilities as the roadblock to mm -hmm. your, your goals. I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I, as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, it, it popped in my mind was, uh, you know, the, the utility is as the enabler or the experts, the expert enabler, right? We we, exactly. we can help you get this done. What's your plan? What are your goals? All right. Let us walk you to what we can do with you to make sure that you can achieve that. Um, I think I, I appreciate you also talking about, you know, I hadn't heard this before, the, the new Exelon, right? With the with the uh, ability to, to be a bit agnostic. Mm -hmm. um, it creates much more of a trusted dialogue, I, I would assume, as well. In that, it, right? it does. No matter how much I would talk about it in the past, they always thought when we were the largest nuclear operator that yeah. I was really talking for the nuclear. <laughs> and so this new dynamic, and we've been brought mm -hmm. into rooms, Devin, that we never would have been included in, in the past because we can share with you, look, I'm an electric and gas company. If you want to go electric, all electric, let me show you how to get yeah. there, and this is what it will cost. Guess what? If you don't, I'm going to benefit anyway. So you see that that yeah. focus is that it's not so much about the money, but I'm going to show you how to make that adjustment. So I think the biggest opportunity for us is being brought in by customers and jurisdictions on the front end of their plan. Mm -hmm. If they can engage us early, we can help them create economic development scenario because you never want that infrastructure not to be there when they're ready to go. And that's a different mindset to include your utilities in the in the planning process. Yeah. And that's what I'm conveying and talking to the largest customers, talking to the cities and municipalities about how to do this. You know, so you, you've actually brought up another question in my mind that he started talking about, you know, coming to the front end and helping with planning. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's no secret our industry is is at the forefront of of resources available at the federal level that, that I don't think we've ever seen in the history of our, our industry. Um, so with that, how, you know, it's like a two part question I want to ask here is, is how are you thinking about working with your utilities and your communities with some of the, 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 the planning that you just talked about, but also how are you at Exelon looking to leverage these resources for, for your own investments, your own systems, your own capabilities, right? I'm guessing there's like a duality there or a linkage. It is. And 
I think, first off, man, we're in a, a generational time. Yeah. Never before have we had so much money put into a major industrial transition. I mean, think about it. We have, through the IIJA, $1.2 trillion of funding opportunity. Yeah. Now, what we have to do is just push ourselves, get out the way, and get to work, right? And you alluded to the partner, and you can't do that without partnerships and collaboration. And if you put those dollars to work, it will, and through partnerships, it will have a tenfold effect. Yeah. No matter how, going back to that conversation we just had, no matter how good I, I think we may be at investing in infrastructure, we can't do it by ourselves. Mm-hmm. So what we've done, going to your other part of your question, we've applied for 10 important grid projects with DOE. Oh, great. And we're trying, we're in this effort to win approximately $700 million in federal funding for infrastructure projects that will impact our communities. And what we get to do, if you take those federal dollars, leverage it with our capital, Mm -hmm. it goes twice as far. Yeah. And that is how we talk about with with our customers is that let's identify projects, let's go in jointly because through that collaboration, now it's very impactful. Like we just, we've just recently won uh, some federal dollars for middle mile grant fiber grants to really bring a fiber communications network to underserved communities. Oh, that's great. So again, leveraging our dollar, taking Mm -hmm. the federal money and saying, let's get that done sooner rather than later. Because the federal government is very clear. They award, they look to partnerships. Yeah. And that is what we're trying to demonstrate. On the program you just mentioned there, is that something that was on your roadmap you know, without this money and this helped accelerate it? Was it something that you would like to do if given the opportunity? Like what was the, what did the federal dollars enable for you with that, that the, the program you, you just cited there? Well, because it's in partnership with our communities, when they put it as a priority to do, like we that. saw an opportunity to jump in with them and yep. get that done. And that's, that's the great part. We knew we have, we know we have a digital divide. You mm-hmm. talk about those communities that we serve. What can and that's where the partnership goes in. What can we do to help you make that a reality? And that's where those dollars are going to come in. I I appreciate that. And that's something that, you know, I I think gets forgotten. Maybe not on the people that listen to this podcast. You know, folks here really understand utilities, but utilities serve everybody. And right. And so that ability to serve those communities, regardless of, you know, if you're in Ward 8, to use your example earlier, or in Montgomery County, and to be able to assist your community going this extra mile and to get that that technology they didn't have access to and using federal funds that, you know, let's be real, without Exelon back in the partnership, I'm not sure that gets done. That's right. And, and think, let's let's take that uh, to Montgomery County. So mm-hmm. they, they probably don't have those same digital divided uh, issues. But what they do have is a very aggressive electrification goal. So what can I do to help them electrify uh, depots for people to have charging stations? Oh, yeah. So... Yeah. Can we tap into those federal dollars to make their transition even quicker and therefore reducing the overall cost for the customer? Because that ultimate bill is what customers are going to look mm-hmm. to. That's and right. what can we do to help mitigate any increases on that bill? And that's how those federal dollars can be leveraged. Yeah, I, I, I see that, especially, you know, the, the dollars are here now. If you can grab them, slide them into your planning, get the investments done. 
It isn't investments that you need to do later when these dollars are gone. That's exactly I mean, right. right. I mean, I, I know these programs are meant to be catalytic, but I, I think you're, what you're talking about is beyond beyond just kickstart. It's helping with planning, allowing you to save your customers ultimately at the end of the day. Like you said, they're only looking at the bill. They're not looking at what, is the depot up or not. They're not looking up to see if the fiber is connected. They're happy about it. That's right. Um, and if you can make that happen in a way that also lowers their bill um, using these dollars, I, I, I think it's great to hear that that's how, how you and, and how Exxon is thinking about that. Um, I want to jump around. Actually, I want to I want to go back to talking about decarbonization because I, 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 I've heard that Exxon itself has a has a, a pretty strong goals around decarbonization. I think by twenty thirty, you're you're trying to drive your emissions in half. Yes, and, and trying to reach net zero by twenty fifty. So, so, how are you doing that? Well, thank you. We we call our internal internally we refer to it as our path to clean. All right, because we we say we have you have to walk the talk. You, you can't say you're going to have this uh, decar- help decarbonize communities and so forth, and you haven't taken the necessary steps inside. Mm-hmm. So in the near term, to your point, 50 percent by 2030, net zero business driven emissions by 2050. And there's a couple of things that we're doing right away to make that happen. Devin. One is we're modernizing our gas systems and 12 percent of our portfolio is gas. So people say, Calvin, why are you still in the gas business if you're really looking to do this? That's well, I would question. tell you that I believe I would yeah. I would tell you that we believe gas is going to be around for the foreseeable future for a couple of reasons. One, talk about that equitable transition. You have to be able to afford this transition. And to electrify everything in real time is going to be a very costly transition. So you need that uh, gas, whether you call it a transitional fuel. But you need it for the for the time being. That's one. Two, the reliability and resiliency of the system. Mm-hmm. Gas is going to be a player in that. And I would say the third thing on that gas piece is that that infrastructure is very important because whether you're running natural gas through it or renewable natural gas or a hydrogen blend, that infrastructure is very valuable. The next thing we're doing is we're electrifying our light duty fleet and we're exploring electric and other net zero carbon alternatives for our medium and heavy duty fleet. What is idle mitigation? What are some of the things we're doing around when you see those big trucks rolling down the street and they're sitting and doing work? What can we do to idle those using the power off of it, but they're not emitting into the atmosphere? Uh, And we're very focused on energy efficiency. As a company across our utilities, we spend about $700 million a year on energy efficiency programs for our customers to one, reduce their bill and use less. Yeah. And that's very important. And then another big piece we're doing is we're working to reduce our FS6, SF6 insulating gas from our systems. Now that requires technology. We're going in and to look at what can we do to reduce that insulating gas and use things so it is not emitting back into the system. Now, it's important to note, I have a line of sight to reducing my emissions by 80%. Wow. 80%. Yeah, 80%. But what's key? I need technology developments for that last 20. So when I tell you net zero by 2050, I have a line of sight. I'm measuring it at any given point. You can say, where are you on this journey, Cal? Mm -hmm. And we can tell you where Exelon is. And I can do that all the way up into that 80%. That last 20 I'm counting and investing on technology play to help us get there. 
and that we're laying the groundwork. We're investing with national labs. You mentioned I'm on the Argonne uh, National yeah. Board. Most recently, I'm joining the Battelle um, Institute Board. Mm-hmm. Again, where are those applied sciences going to come and play to help us drive this industry forward? And we're, we're, we're partnering there. And we can't do it by going back to that collaboration theme. Yeah. We're not doing this by ourselves. We've invested several millions of dollars in small businesses through our climate change investment initiative, where those are companies, many in D.C., where they have technology and they just needed funding on climate um, climate change initiatives. And so we're excited about that because we think some of the best innovation come from those small startups. And we're saying we're going to put our money where our mouth is and invest in you to let you ramp up. Well, as a CEO of a startup, I love hearing that. You know, I, I it's, it's uh, and, you know, and, and you're not wrong, right? Um, we, we feel that we can be innovative and fast because of, you know, where we, we're technologists, mm-hmm. right? And, 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 uh, and so hearing, hearing you and Exelon talk about seeing the value in that, you know, obviously warms my heart. Um, follow up question, but it's more leading into the modernization that you're doing at, at Exelon. Um, you know, you've talked about, you know, you're working with Argonne, you're working with Tel. Uh, you know, some of the best names in, in, in applied sciences in, 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 in this country. Um, we're, we're talking about grid mod here at the grid forward podcast. So, uh, when you think about that, what's on the top of your list, you know, and, and what capabilities do you believe to be foundational to, to Exxon's future? Well, this is those are, I mean, a couple of things, please. Sure. First off, let's go back to that goal setting. Happy to. You, you hit a great point and I want to make sure I address it. A lot of people put out a lot of big goals. Yeah. But I would tell you that what's incumbent upon all of us is to have the measurements in place and to be held accountable for what we say we're going to do. Um, Because it's not enough just to throw out a number and say we're going to be X, because when you hear that, you say, well, the technology is not there. How are you going to get there? Yeah. So that leads right to that modernization of our system. So as I told you, we have a four a four legged strategy that I like to talk about with the team. One is understanding delivering customer excellence always starts with the customer right yeah two is investing in that theme that's right (laughs) it's two is investing in that infrastructure that foundational reliability and resilience the third being modernizing the grid and what we mean by that from us a pure tnd is we have to make sure the grid is capable Mm -hmm. of moving power and interconnecting our customers with distributed energy resources because it's a different play. It's a different muscle for us. I'll use the district again, where you're home. I'll use yeah, that. I appreciate it. We had trouble at Pepco with interconnection requests coming in from solar developers. We did. Uh-huh. It was something that we didn't have the system set up initially to, hand, to handle the amount of flow of requests that were coming. Yeah. And the team got caught flat-footed. But I give them a lot of credit. They understood it. They figured it out. They went to use technology to make sure they put more of it in the workflow and they they've addressed it. But it was it was a hard startup for us. And we have to make sure we have the infrastructure behind the scenes for when customers want to move forward quicker. The next piece is we have to have a very robust communications network. The communications network that existed in the past is not going to make it in the future because now we have to manage the flows. Yeah. By directionally of what's taking place, because you you may be um, 
a con uh, contributor to the grid in the future. We never had to worry about that because we used to have to deal with only centralized generation stations. Yeah. Now you have these community solar farms jumping in across the, uh, the nation. And how are they going to give to the grid in times of need? How is that? Um, how, how are those vehicles, those um, bus fleets, yeah. the UPS fleet, when we need them, are they able to contribute back to the grid in those hottest days of summer? That is what we're doing. We're talking about when we say modernizing the grid. Yeah. So what's the challenge? We also have to have a very robust transmission network to wield that power. One of our challenges right now is that transmission build out is moving much slower than it needs to move. Whether those be siding issues and the like, I'm not caught up in. We know what the issues are, yes. but what are we doing to solve them? And I talk about this a lot, Devin, in terms of we have to have an alignment of policy. Many people talk about this is what we're going, this is what we're going to do. But when you break down the policies by jurisdictions, they're not meeting. They're not aligned to achieve the goals that they talk about. And I was I spoke uh, recently at the National Governors Association and one of the governors said, Calvin, what can we do right away? I said, OK, you laid out some very aggressive priorities, Governor. Meet with your department heads to see what he or she is doing to to make sure your policies are carried out. Because if you're talking about electrification yeah. and moving forward, you know the capital that's required to invest in there, but yet they're telling the utility that they can't invest that much. <laughs> that's a lack of alignment. And that's that just a simple thing that you could do right away to get those things done. And when modernizing the grid is going to be critical to achieve the goals that have been outlined by many of our governors and of course our president. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and you know, I, I think this goes back to some of the things that you were saying earlier. Um, you know, you're, I go back to that role that I, I feel that you're playing and excellence playing. That's a little different than I think a traditional, um, you know, I think when people think of utilities and modernization efforts, they think of them building some stuff and con yeah. connecting some things. Right. But what you talked about is, is, is the other side of like, well, if a governor is asking how to, how to make this happen, um, encouraging them as a utility that covers different jurisdictions, right. right? About how to bring policies forward and standards forward, or, or, or at least funding streams forward that allow you to make those connections on their behalf to enable their own goals. Um, and, and I think it's fair to raise that if, if you do have the goals, you got to let the utilities do what they need to do. And, you, and, know, yeah, and, and Debbie, you know, a big piece of this too, is that we have to ensure that our systems are secure. Yes. Um, and, you know, and that's not the sexy part, right? That's, you know, <laughs> no, a lot it's of not. It, no, it's not. That's part it, you get in trouble for. That's right. It's it. But as soon as something happens, everyone's going to ask, why didn't you take care of that? Yeah. And so we're talking not only physical security, we're talking also cybersecurity. Yeah. And the technology investment that's required to ensure that your information is protected and we don't have bad actors. When you when you think about what we've seen with the most recent war in Ukraine, mm -hmm. what was the first thing that was attacked? But the grid, because yep. they will tell you when in, in times of war or time of chaos, when you attack the grid, it creates uncertainty, disruption. And we have to ensure that our grid is protected, both physically from physical attacks and cyber attacks. And that is, we're, we're spending significant amount of dollars to ensure that that happens. And that is a priority of ours. I appreciate you raising that. And I think often, in, you know, I know it's front of your mind, but for the most folks, it's, you know, the utility is like, make sure the lights can turn on. 
and they take for granted the stay on part. That's right. Right. And stay on is not just poles and wires. Um, you know, it, it's also uh, the back end software and systems that, that, mm-hmm. that enable that. And, and, you know, if those aren't secure systems, I mean, as a, as a leader of a software company that works with standardizing data exchange between utilities and DERs, I, mean, I, I know this very well. And it's it's something that um, if you don't get it right, um, you, you can't like it's just we're making new technology investments that have to be a hundred percent from day one. Right. And, and so I appreciate you calling out the, the cybersecurity side of it because, you know, I think it's fine. It was working great, but if it goes sideways, they're going to call you. Exactly. And it's like, well, what happened? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm doing the things you're asking me to do here. Um, and you didn't ask me about that, but I, I, I made sure to, to make sure this part was taken care of as well. So that they don't have to make that call. Um, and I'm glad that you, you raised it in this conversation. Um, you know, I, it's, it's sometimes lost, I think. Maybe not with this audience, but it can't so Devin, be lost. You, you know this better than most, is that we talked a little bit about that communications network of the future and what's required there to ensure that that network supports where we're going as an industry. Yeah, that, that's, that's uh, and I like that it's an industry-led effort, right? It is now no longer doing it in your own silo That's for right. your own, your own, you know, operational district. Um, so I, I got one more question for you. Please. Uh, we've been talking about, you know, what you're working on and the plans and things, but I want to, I want to, I want to dig in a bit more on, uh, uh, well, we talked a lot about tech. Let's, let's talk about talent. You know, what are you, what are you doing to, to recruit the talent you need to deliver on these goals? Right. And, and, and how to, and, you know, I want to tie it back into the communities that you're working in. You know, how does Exelon see, you know, where does the people power come from to make all this happen? Yeah, this this energy transformation is not to your point. It's just not about technology. You have to have talent ready because we're going to be asking the men and women who work for our company that exist today to work very differently in the future than they did yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, you, for example, we have a line person on the job. Their whole job briefs now are on their tablet. They are connecting with the home office and all of their work procedures are on tablets now. We're not asking them to do it manually. Technology. And so we're training them today. But as important, we're training that workforce of the future. We're we're going deep into the high schools. And why that's important for me, Devin, is that talking about the communities that we serve, I want to ensure that we have a workforce that's representative from those communities in each of them. So what we have done at Exelon, we have 80 unique workforce development programs across our six local utilities where we train men and women every day how to be, whether they want to go to be a gas operator, a line person, a technician, we're doing that work with them. And we're doing it in partnership with workforce groups across each of our jurisdictions. To date, since 2019, and this is what I'm proud of, we've hired over 1,400 men and women to come work for either us directly or through one of our contractors. I had the privilege two weeks ago to attend the Workforce Academy here in Baltimore, Maryland, mm-hmm. where they graduated their 200th graduate. That's phenomenal. That's, and that's all yeah. since 2019. Yeah, those are some big numbers. And, we're, and, and I like to say these aren't uh, minimum wage jobs either. These men and women come out making well over 40000 
And then many of them will make over 80 plus thousand with overtime. So these are career sustainable jobs and we're impacting lives and changing futures. And that is what we're in the business of doing. And that goes right to your point that we talked about earlier is that they need to know we care about what's important to them. Yeah. And so we're creating generational opportunities. And that's, that's what I'm most proud of. My C, our CEOs across this business have leaned into that. And our workforce development programs have received awards. They've been nationally recognized, but that's not the measure. The measure is that these men and women, once they graduate, get jobs. Yeah. No, that's, that's, you know, it all comes back to jobs at the end. And I also, I, I appreciate you talking about the, the, the generational time. I mean, I, I'm hearing echoes of, of, of you seeing your father working at, at comment on the swing shift and now supporting that next generation of jobs that, that they're going to have the opportunity to, to, to rise up in the ranks and, and, and to do the similar thing and to support their families. I, I can't think of a, uh, a better way to, to, to wrap up this conversation and to, to bring it all back home and talk about what it's like to, to not only give back as a leader, um, but to support your community, not only through your services, but also through jobs and putting food on the table. Um, Calvin, it's been a real pleasure for me to have this time to, to chat with you. I really appreciate you joining us here at Grid Forward and, and sharing with us a bit about what it's like to, to be a leader in your shoes. Well, Devin, I started this conversation saying it was honored to be asked and honored to be a part of this. And it's still true. So thank you. All right. Appreciate it. Take care. Thanks again to Devin Hampton, Utility API CEO and board member here at Grid Forward for jumping in as a guest host. And also Calvin Butler from Exelon, some great insights from one of the key industry leaders uh, driving the utility transformation forward. If you like Grid Forward Chats, please give us a review. Follow us on Apple, Google, or Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. And to learn more about Grid Forward, you can see it at gridforward.org.